Hello. My name is Melina Vega de Ceniga, and this is an Ask Away podcast. In our final podcast in this series of Q&A on the dual pathway, remember, Rivaroxaban 2.5 milligrams twice daily and aspirin 100 milligrams daily for the treatment of PAD patients, we are going to explore the peculiarities of the strategy in patients with two very prevalent comorbidities. First, diabetes mellitus. I would like to know from our experts, Professor Sebastian Debus and Professor Rupert Bowersacks, about the indications, risks, and net clinical benefit of the dual pathway in diabetic versus non-diabetic patients. Do diabetics obtain the same or less or more clinical benefit from the dual pathway? More than a third of the Voyager patients suffered from diabetes in addition to PAD. And what we saw in the subgroup analysis on the diabetic patients was that they do have a much higher overall risk for acute thrombotic events over time, for myocardial infarction, for ischemic stroke, for acute lip ischemia, but also for bleeding events. This makes this specific subgroup very, very fragile. This was pointed out by the Voyager trial. But the good message out of it is that, again, the results out of the overall group were repeated in the diabetic group. So, again, we have a robust overall benefit for the diabetic patients in terms of avoiding acute events, although the bleeding risk definitely has increased here. There was some discussions about the bleeding risk, and it's interesting. If somebody would want to go into detail, they could look at the forest plots of the bleeding complications in patients with and without diabetes. And I think the main difference was not in the REVA group, it was in the placebo group, where the bleeding risk in patients with diabetes was extremely low. Patients with diabetes are fragile, and I think we should take that into account and talk to the patient and assess the overall risk, which is high in diabetic patients, the overall risk for ischemic events, and also the overall risk for bleeding and mm. make a decision together with the patient. I think that's very important here. Now our second important comorbidity. PAD patients, especially those with critical limb-threatening ischemia, often have chronic renal failure. In these patients, is the dual pathway indicated? Does it obtain additional benefit to single or double antiplatelet treatment as well? Here, I think even the story is clearer because if you look at those patients with impaired renal function, they are really the ones who have a very high risk for ischemic events. And the risk of bleeding, yes, it's higher in those patients compared to the patients without renal impairment, also on placebo, of course. With REVA and impaired renal function, the risk of bleeding really increases by about 1.5%. But if you look at the ischemic risk in those patients, they have an event rate of 22%, 22%. And that was reduced by 3%. So we always have to look at the absolute risk. Yes, they have a higher risk of bleeding, but they have a much higher risk of ischemic events. And we should do everything to lower the bleeding risk. PPI, for example... And if there is a low hemoglobin, we need to do endoscopy. Perhaps they have a gastric lesion or so we should fix that. But the overall benefit is, of course, higher in those patients with impaired renal function. They are really the difficult ones. And often they have, you know, mediasclerosis and they often come in not with claudication. They come in with gangrene. And so the dual pathway in these patients with chronic renal failure convey a 3% reduction in the risk of ischemic events and yet a 1.5 increase in the risk of bleeding. 
So the net benefit is clear. There's more reduction of ischemic events, which can be limb-threatening or even life-threatening, which would be twice as much as the increase in bleeding. Should the doses be adjusted, or would the regime of 2.5 milligrams of rivaroxaban twice daily and 100 milligrams of aspirin daily remain the same? We are at a very low dose of rivaroxaban already. I'm happy that this very low dose was studied in Voyager, and it had been studied in acute coronary syndrome and the ATLAS study, big study, and also in COMPASS. So we have good data on that. I would not go lower with the dose. That's what you need. And the question is about aspirin, whether you need a different dose of I would not do any yeah. experiments here, really. They deserve a strong antithrombotic treatment, but we have to be careful about their bleeding risk because they also have a higher bleeding risk. And what about in very advanced chronic renal failure in dialysis or pre-dialysis? Unfortunately, these patients, end-stage renal failure, dialysis patients, we do not have data. They were excluded. Unfortunately, we don't even know whether in atrial fibrillation, vitamin K antagonist does anything good in those patients. So unfortunately, mm -hmm. these patients are not in the studies. They are very, very high-risk patients, both for bleeding and for ischemic events. This is not in the label for the dual pathway. In case of bleeding, should the dual pathway be stopped temporarily or definitely? Yes, we discussed that on an earlier podcast already. And it's really, again, the question, what kind of bleeding was? Was it a nosebleed that could be fixed? Or was it a gastric bleeding from, you know, an ulcer that was healed or a helicobacter associated, whatever? And has that reason been solved? Or is there a continuing risk? And then I would be careful. Also in those patients, I would look at the hemoglobin level more often. And yes, I think that's very important. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's so simple, you know. That's very clear. Thank you. Sebastian, Rupert, thank you both for sharing all this information, your wisdom and unique input of the trial results. It has definitely been very educational and useful for our listeners. Thank you, Rupert. Thank you, Melina, also for giving us this additional opportunity to discuss Melina and Sebastian, thank you very much. It was fun. And thank you all for listening. I hope you listeners have enjoyed this podcast as much as I have. Remember, all ESVS podcasts are available open access just about everywhere in SoundCloud, Spotify, the Apple Podcast, the ESVS Library, and the Vascular Forum webpage. We have hundreds of followers. Join us. We will be back soon with more podcasts. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.